0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Localization, the show where we talk about the latest from the world of localization, whether that is research or news or events um, and whatever else might be interesting to you if you are working in the language industry or you want to learn more about it. Um, My name is Sarah Hickey. I'm the VP of Research at NIMSI Insights. And today with me, I have a very special guest, our uh, CEO and my wonderful colleague, Joseph Kubowski. Hi, Joseph.
1: Hi, everyone. Good morning, evening, afternoon or night, wherever you are, whatever you do. And thanks for having me, Sarah.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to have you. Um, Joseph, I mean, I think in the language industry, uh, pretty much everyone knows you because you've been around for a very long time and you're a very sociable person. But uh, maybe there are some people who don't know you yet or people who are from outside the language industry. So maybe just give a brief introduction to who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Uh, thanks, Sarah, once again. Hello, everyone. Very nice to see you, have you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, in the language industry for about 20 years now. Um, I like to start with saying that my I'm a sixth generation of a translator, although I'm a black sheep of the family because I was never really a professional translator and I never studied translations. Um, but I still ended up in uh, this industry after studied international relations. Uh, the most exciting part is that my Great-grandmother was an interpreter for the um, emperor from French, Hungarian, Slovakian, and German um, back uh, during World War I uh, in Slovakia. And then grandmother is uh, a translator, and basically my entire family is full of translators, uh, language teachers, and stuff like that.
0: Wow, that's really impressive. I I had no idea. Uh, Even though we've known each other for a while now, I did not know that your grandmother was an interpreter and on such a high level as well. So that's really cool because, uh, well, as you know, and maybe some people out there as well, I am uh, a trained conference interpreter. And actually, my grandmother always wanted to be a conference interpreter, but never got to be one. Uh, So it's funny that we sort of have that in common. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice, nice.
1: Yeah one of the one of the interesting things uh, that we wanted to talk about today is the impact on these individuals right Mm -hmm. um and we're seeing a lot of conversations uh around where do finances go what are the large players doing and stuff like that so maybe we could go a little bit that direction as well today what do you think
0: yeah, definitely. So exactly, let's introduce the topic of today's talk. We wrote here that it's the MNA heatwave in the language industry, um, because you know, it's summertime, it's hot in most places at least. And um, it's also that MNA is on fire once again in the language industry. This isn't exactly new anymore. I think since last year, really, we've seen so much consolidation in the industry, of course, and topped off with the massive one, the merger of RWS and SDL. And now just recently, uh, TransPerfect bought uh, Semantics, also an absolute household name in the industry. And yeah, so... Let's take a look at what does that mean for the, the industry and the different stakeholders in the industry? Because, yeah, as you said, too often we just look at the financial side of it, which is, of course, a big part and probably one of the main drivers behind m a logically, <laughs> but exactly. But um, what about the, the other um, people involved, you know, that are not the um, directly the investors? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, give me the latest
1: what is what is really interesting about this combination specific let me start with first reacting to what's going on between transperfect and semantics i think there's there's two extremes right first extreme is that i know both of the companies for at least those uh, 10 15 years following them um having very close connection to both um i have to say that you know, for me, TransPerfect is a very typical U.S. type of organization mm-hmm. focusing on revenue, mm-hmm. focusing on, you know, drive, uh, winning as much business as possible. Uh, when Symantex is an organization that's focusing on quality, satisfaction, full satisfaction for mm-hmm. their clients, making sure that everything is running smooth and presenting themselves as the thought leader and someone who really can uh, be uh treat them as the best partner ever um so i say this you know um national conflict or, or the different profiles or even personal profiles right of, of each um uh, persons who would be representing the company if we say okay what is semantics you would say it's typically european if we look at Transperfect, perfect will be typical american for me and um, i'm very excited to see how will these go together because for me, um, I've heard very interesting stories about salespeople working for TransPerfect. Those who have been very successful have been treated super well. At the same time, if you're not overachiever, um, it will be very difficult for you to stay in TransPerfect. Mm-hmm. At the same time, in Semantics, they are very focused on people making sure that they are you know, representing the company properly. They are, you know, putting the name out there and it's it's uh, it is definitely of course about revenue but um, it's not hunting 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 um mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very excited to see where this will go
0: yeah definitely and I, I really like what you said there about the different company profiles and you could say on the one hand then maybe at least from what you've elaborated there that there might be um, kind of opposites in some ways but at the same time i mean that can sometimes be exactly what you need right to bring a business further that you bring something else in that you don't already have right that's usually the goal anyway (laughs) and as i read in one of the the press reads as well published in a multilingual magazine um the phil shaw as well the ceo of transperfect said that they've been competing with semantics in the nordics for like 15 years now and i mean I don't know this from from him now or anything, but I was wondering then, as you said, you know, the semantics is very European, uh, TransPerfect is very um, US style uh, business. And of course, Semantics was always the the biggest um, company in the Nordics and the leader there is wondering if maybe you know it was in that sense a very, very smart move to get into the Nordics um, because maybe, you know, the European style is uh, just preferred, similar as what we basically do in the language industry. Anyway, you need to kind of localize, right, to reach the right clients. So maybe you need to take that European approach to get in there.
1: Totally, totally, totally. Um, Plus, you know, I, I was really um, um, surprised by the message that TransPerfect is definitely you know, following the, the technology trend where um, Semantics has been presenting, and when we saw it today uh, from the Semantics CEO that they've been for last five years, they've been presenting them as the thought leader in technology and, mm-hmm. and the leader in tech perspective. And um, uh, the message from TransPerfect is quite clear. Um, We want to be pushing our own technology. Uh, This is, you know, there's there's not too much space for whatever has been outsourced. Uh, I realize, and I also want to say that, of course, it was mentioned that they are not going to change anything rapidly or maybe not critically, but at the same time, I'm thinking, what impact will such a change in such a large organization have on the individuals. And now we can Mm -hmm. look at different individuals from project managers to the clients, but also the linguists, right? So I think that that is going to be a very interesting change where, uh, once again, the the typical European process would be, okay, let's give it a time. Let's think about it. Let's proceed. Let's make sure that everyone realizes what's going on and, and they kind of accept the change. When the typical american would be okay you either go with the flow or you don't
0: right
1: <laughs> so i think i think that would be another very you know exciting um path not only with the sales but also the production perspective of how are things going to go and how will they uh, how will they go about it i remember you know when um uh, when semantics was picking their uh, technology uh for uh project management it it took quite some time to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone uh, was you know, involved in the conversations. They were looking at it from many different perspectives to make sure that they're fulfilling all the requirements. So uh, I would like to make sure that uh, this has not been thrown out the window.
0: Yeah, I bet. Now- and um yeah you mentioned there also the exactly the the impact also on the on the linguists a little bit um can you talk a little bit more about that what you i mean you already mentioned some but um, what do you yeah. foresee or what do you think will be the impact maybe
1: so um, you know i'm when i'm seeing all of these acquisitions and uh, and the major changes
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm thinking uh, there's a huge amount of you said it, it's finance, right? There's there's tons of money running back and forth and and people are making money on these acquisitions and and surely the investors are looking for profit, obviously, right? Um, if these are P firms, especially, of course. But the question here is what's happening with the money? Is this really helping us to progress, to turn the mark, the industry to, to become a better in you know, are we are we benefiting from it as individuals? Mm-hmm. Is the industry really moving forward, or is this just you know money flow from one position to another one? And I have to say, the extreme is if you look at the 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 large acquisitions that happened recently, uh, with um, not to offend anyone, but those that were acquired multiple times in a very short period of time. When I speak to the buyers to their clients,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's quite regular. They don't remember the name of their vendor. They don't remember the today name mm-hmm. of their vendor. And I'm thinking hmm, that probably doesn't matter because they still work with the same project manager or, you know, but does it really? Or mm-hmm. is this eating an opportunity for the mid-sized or mid-sized larger translation companies who uh, may then st- step up and just say, look, you're not going to be just one of our thousands of large customers, although you are top, top clients in our top, top client in our region, but we will treat you as uh, the most important one for us. And we will make sure that you are the name and uh, we may be acquired one day, but, um, you know, for today, we're actually sitting here and uh, we want you to, to be aware that our service is customized for you and we will do our best to. Make sure that you are out there. Again, not saying that those large ones don't do that. No, but you have uh, a
0: point, for sure, I think that, um, especially, in these are questions that come up as well, you know, with uh, where does it leave the small ones or the medium sized ones? And a lot of the times when we talk to them or the buyers as well, the answer is, yeah, well, they usually become more niche or they can provide a better customer service Mm -hmm. because they can still be closer to their clients. They can be, uh, they can tailor their services probably a bit better. Um, to their clients needs at the same time of course uh, there's probably very little a a company like TransPerfect can't do because they are so big and uh, you know and of course for depending on the contract you're going for you need to have those volumes Um, so but at the same time I think the the language industry is so massive that there's probably still space for all of those different types of companies you know so that on the one hand you have the you know, the really big ones that would go for the big contracts and you have the small, smaller, mid-sized niche providers that, you know, and then you have the even the one or two man shows, um, you know, that provide very specialized services. At the same time, you might be over time, you might be running into an industry then where you just have a few big ones on the top. And then all the rest work for them, you know. <laughs> that, well, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. That then the other LSPs, just the small LSPs, work for the big LSPs again.
1: I I am I'm a fan in investing in technology. Honestly, you know, my background is in translation technology, of course, where I spend a lot of time uh, in my career in in technology company. But I do see um, an advantage for uh, us as an industry to be getting money for expanding the technology because that really does help us right and and we saw that from being the you know the creation of typewriter or Mm. or first translation memory (laughs) tool right and 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 now it's machine translation and there's ai and stuff like that so we're moving forward and it's just simplifying our work right as as the industry and and it's moving us forward but uh so i i see a great advantage in in that investment Mm -hmm. and in that direction but for me personally, it's it's a little challenging um, to, um, you know, as an individual. If I look at it as as the individual client or individual vendor, uh, what is the advantage for me that there is so many you know acquisitions happening, and mm-hmm. and where are we moving? What is it giving me as the client yeah. of of a vendor uh, that they have been acquired?
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, one of the things you had pointed out there earlier was um, the brand recognition or lack thereof, I guess, with uh, yeah. a company being acquired over and over again. And while at the same time, the clients still get their services and they probably work with the same project manager, like you said, it certainly can't be... a good thing for a company that if your clients don't even remember your name anymore, um, you know, that's not the goal that people have in mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's uh, there's many different sides to this coin, I think. Um, and yeah, tell me a little bit more about what you think is the impact on on the clients aside from this. Uh, you were talking and I know you speak to uh, buyers of language services a lot. And maybe just, um, I know you mentioned some already, but talk a little bit more about your experience maybe.
1: Yeah, so um, we are, I, recently I speak a lot with clients who are kind of in a, I don't want to say a blind street, but they they feel like there is a need change, uh, change needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, either from the technology perspective that they see an advantage in using a the technology themselves, or they have been provided a technology by a vendor. Now they're considering of migrating to another vendor. They can't because the, the vendor is not letting them. Of course they're not letting them go go way smooth. Uh, or it's about the entire pro- procedure, right? So we're doing a lot of audits of their localization team mm-hmm. set up and we're trying to make sure that what they are doing is really, you know following the latest trends. Um, what I like to say about this a lot is that most of these people are experts. They, they, they follow the latest trend. They understand a lot of things and they would like to implement. They sometimes even have a very clear vision of how should things be structured, Mm -hmm. but it is extremely difficult for them to convince their, if we're talking investors now, internal investors, right? Mm -hmm. The, the main stakeholders. Um, so, um, very often uh we're not only talking about the processes and but we're doing a lot of change management at the same time and we're helping them to kind of um, explain to those who are not involved in the localization process that these things are needed to be changed there needs to be some investment done and and things like that and uh, uh, it's extremely difficult for you as an individual to convince your boss hey I need you to spend three hundred thousand or two hundred thousand on implementing a technology that they don't understand. Why do we need it if we can just get it uh, delivered from our vendors um, and stuff like that? So, uh, and you and of course there is this ROI on localization topic, mm-hmm. and um, and that is even more complicated when you are structuring it in. So, this is very challenging and. I think that the, the the changing the names for me as a, as a localization manager who's trusting my vendor, mm-hmm. and then going together with them to the to the internal investors, it becomes even more difficult, and that is I think very frustrating uh, for the for the localization managers because now suddenly there's okay it's the same person but with a different title with a different mm-hmm. company name. And now we're coming to my to my manager and we're trying to say, okay, I need you to invest 20% more uh, in localization than what you did last year. I think that this must be, you know, this must be tough uh, mm-hmm. for those people. And this is something that you should be considering um, when changing your name or rebranding or being acquired by someone
0: who uh, wants to change your setup. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So you were saying that also, I mean, I know there are, there are some situations, right, where both brand names are being kept alive as well. So um, but I know that in I think in this case, it's uh, that's not the plan from what I know, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so don't quote me on this. Um, but yeah, I mean, that could be a different strategy, of course, as well.
1: Yeah. and And we also see that some of the companies are coming back to their names, right? So Mm -hmm. Uh, before SDL was changing the technology to SDL so that it's, you know, grouped and so it's connected. Now we're seeing that they're walking away again from from that title and they are, you know, considering keeping the name only for for technology as it was before. But, um, and I think that's the trend recently. Uh, Five years ago uh, or, yeah, something like that, uh, the, the buyers or, or the localization managers, if I simplify, uh, were rather considering buying a technology directly from the vendor mm. and kind of getting it, you know, one package simply because when they went to their bosses, they would say, okay, I'm going to get the translations and some technology from these yeah. guys and Sometimes if, if you would be exceeding some budget, you would get it even included in the price. Hmm. And that was much easier for them. But now it is more frequent that um, they actually want to be uh, vendor agnostic. They want to have, you know, the technology separated from those vendors, mm-hmm. especially as most of these buyers are looking into data, clean data. Right. So they can use it for their internal purposes. And, um, and Yeah.
0: Sorry to interrupt you, but do you think that also, um, you know, keeping technology separate from the vendor, that that also um, the part of the strategy behind that is also to not be tied to a vendor through technology? Because, you know, of course, on the one hand, as a vendor, you also want to ideally integrate with your client system as much as possible. It makes it on the one hand simpler for everyone. At the same time, it also kind of ties you a bit more with uh, your client, because if they're using your system, you know, it's not impossible to break apart after, but it makes it more complex. It makes it more inconvenient for everyone. So
1: Exactly, it is so. And the typical scenario, I would say 80% of the time, you are happy that the vendor is also giving you a technology. Mm. But then the company grows, you know, they start to grow and they realize, all right, we should use multiple vendors for many different reasons. Not only quality, but, you know, they also want to have a stronger competition. They want to be able to kind of uh, mm-hmm. set the price a little bit better and, and stuff like that. And suddenly you realize, OK, I'm being pushed into a certain direction. And it's not that the vendor wouldn't provide me with the technology that would work well for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it, it works great. But the point is that if I want to unify multiple vendors and each one of them have their own technology or. Sometimes one vendor doesn't allow the other one to use their technology, you know? So I'm I'm being stuck between two and where do I go? And that's yeah. putting people into a very unfortunate situation. Plus, as you said it, if we want to split, it's going to be not impossible, but it's going to be difficult. And mm-hmm. the difficulty ends especially because they're not going to make it extremely simple for you to walk away. Easy as that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's part of the strategy. Right. And I actually had an interview with the company recently. I like I won't say the name now, but um, um, they work in the it's an LSP working in the life sciences sector exclusively. And um, they told me as well that apparently TransPerfect also offers um, a software um, for specifically for the life sciences sector, I think it was for drug approvals and things like that. Yeah. And then if companies use it, they're basically more or less tied to using TransPerfect also for their translation needs. So of course Mm -hmm. that's a very smart approach as well and i'm sure it's not unique in the industry but um yeah i just thought of it there in in combination so it can go i guess either way as well with um you know even or even with bringing other technology in that is not language technology (laughs) bringing that in first and then you offer the full package this is something we identified in the nimzi 100 as a as a trend, right? That uh, companies, um, especially the really big ones in the language industry, have started offering like adjacent services, as we called it. so services um, that are not related to language services anymore, but more, mm-hmm. you know, um, also maybe the, the verticals that they're strongest in and to offer other services and in this case also technologies so that they can then provide this uh, full package and also become like a strategic partner and uh, go beyond just being the translation provider.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and we can let someone from TransPerfect share their points here, how they go about it, Uh, the typical scenario is that, um, you know, if you have a certain amount, certain volume, then you would get a technology Mm -hmm. either included for free or, you know, with a certain discount.
0: Um, Yeah, I would actually uh, love to talk to TransPerfect about this, just putting it out there. If Phil Shaw is listening, um, I would love to have you on the show.
1: (laughs) Or anyone else. Yeah,
0: exactly. Or anyone Uh, else.
1: And and, uh, maybe we have Jack Woldy also listening. uh, And this is exactly the case with Smartling, right? What they did is that they wanted to go beyond the localization process. Mm -hmm. So they went more in the CMS perspective. And then actually that was exactly the case for many of their clients that they, simply the the content management part wasn't good enough for them. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to... uh, the, even if they were happy with the translation platform or well, not all the divisions not all the departments were were satisfied with the cms so that was kind of you know conflicting for the different departments and now i'm a localization manager i brought in something very exciting it was simple we were small it, it worked now i want to keep it but the different departments are telling me no no uh we're not happy about it we want to use our you know i'm mm-hmm. used to something else uh, especially when you've grown to a certain level and they started hiring more senior people um, for the content teams. So um, it turns to be difficult if you are picking um, a package, if I simplify.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I want to um, briefly come back also um, to, you know, what we mentioned at the very beginning, this kind of... I want to say kind of like the gap widening a little bit in the industry. You know, the bigger ones are becoming even bigger. The ones in the middle are getting bought up. And then over time, you have this big gap. And if we just briefly look at, uh, for example, this is the NIMSI 100 from from this year that came out in March, um, focused on still the 2020 revenues. So here you see in the, you know, in the top positions, these companies are pushing the one billion US dollar barrier at this stage, very literally, actually, because now RWS has acquired SDL and they're almost there and TransPerfect acquired Semantics and they're almost there. So they're kind of fighting over um, the first place now, I think. Um, Either way, there's like almost one billion and then you see a sharp drop off after I don't know 15 here roughly even Mm. after the first five there or seven there's a bit of a drop and then again after uh 15 and then all the way at the bottom Oh, actually let's do one more stop here in the middle number 50 is already only 34 million which is still a lot but in comparison to a billion you know um so halfway through we're already down to that and at the end we're at uh 12 million so and that is in the top 100 of the industry that to, according to our estimates make up about um 15 percent of the industry and if we include the watch list it's about 21 percent so in that portion of the industry we are already going from almost a billion to like almost 10 million so that is a massive drop and i feel like that gap will keep widening as well with the m a trends um i don't know what, what do you think
1: um it's simple it i mean why would how would the others be able to grow you know (laughs) if if there was no no mna in it so um of course it will the the question you you talked about the niche the question is Mm -hmm. whether the niche will be you know industry specific or product specific or it will just be we are not being acquired we are you know solo standing company that Mm -hmm. you know has your own investors since the beginning or, or we were just, you know, growing and expanding slowly and that might be interesting for those clients who are sick of the logo change.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean for I guess any company that is uh, backed by private equity will I guess eventually be sold again as well, right? Because that's usually the the goal as far you know, you go they go in and yeah. make some money and then go out again. Um, So that's something that we can already expect and there are already, I don't have an exact figure, but there are a lot of companies in the top 100 as well that are already backed by private equity and I assume we can expect more to come as well. But then maybe it's more, then you have a lot of privately owned ones still as well. Um, Would you say that those might be more the ones that are looking at, you know, those niches, that organic growth that might not want to be bought or you know, sell or does it not matter so much?
1: Well, definitely. Um, If if you are looking like simple as if I would want to invest and I want to have a financial opportunity in doing that, I would either have to go to those that are on the top of the list um, to be able to generate to be kind of, you know, the ones who are standing out or B, I would have to be looking at someone who's super niche. So that in the end, I'm going to be, you know, giving this, passing this opportunity and, and maybe selling them to once again, those on uh, on the top of the list. Um, um, I, I think this goes back to where is this industry heading, mm-hmm. uh, how different it will be in 10 years, maybe even five years from now. And my favorite quote, and, and I'm more on the optimistic perspective and just saying <laughs> Uh, machine translation, AI, and all of that stuff is simplifying our life and just making our job easier, as as linguists um, and also as content creators. Uh, but uh, if you think this way, um, there is a possibility that AI will create a source content for you mm-hmm. from you know any content that's available. So I can let the let the machine read newspaper and create an article for me. In my language, as a source language. Mm -hmm. And when this is possible, why would I want a translation if anything can be created in a source content, right? Just go back, go through the newspaper, read it out and create another content for me, right? Uh, Or there has been a new machine coming out and I don't need to write a manual um, because every single user will actually be generating or every single platform will be generating the language, mm-hmm. uh, the source language for that particular tool. So you know, the question is where this uh, industry will be heading to and what will happen in the meantime, because before that distinguish uh, among those top 10, top 50, top 100 will be even bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that point a lot, as in I think you make a um, very a different point than what we usually talk about. I mean, it's not the first time I've heard about it, but I don't feel like we talk about it enough because there's a lot of talk going on about, uh, you know, the influence of AI, but more in relation of, uh, you know, MT and like taking over the translation jobs and the interpreting jobs, even though that's a whole other topic now. And I don't want to get into it too much, but I like your point with, well, what if it's not... AI to translate stuff, but to just create the original source content again. I mean, I don't know if that's applicable for every single scenario in the end, probably not, but for many of them, yeah, I feel like there will definitely be um, at least enough um, room uh, for um, technologies like that.
1: Yes, for sure. (laughs) The the, the only challenge there is that It's any content that's already out there, Mm -hmm. and we are just reusing it, right? Or we're recreating something. Uh, Whatever is new, whatever is you know, and whatever we have invented, Mm -hmm. that won't be generated by machine. But the rest of it, um, surely yes.
0: Well, plus, and then there's maybe an adjacent topic and. Um, you know there's more debates as well about whether or I think this is already happening that more so if you already know that the content you're creating will be machine translated that you make it more suitable for machine translation Mm -hmm. and like I've read some interesting articles about that recently if that's going to impact as well uh, how language will develop if we're increasingly starting to write things for machines and not just use machines to create something for humans so there's an element on both sides i think that will be interesting to watch
1: i don't think so and i'll give you an example Uh, when i started with uh, david chanik 11 years ago the first product that we were presenting uh was produced at the university at the charles university in prague by one of the, the three founders of memsource back then Uh, and uh, Michael Kebert, who's uh, the inventor of of that idea, actually, or or who's the engineer who uh, put that thing together, was creating a platform that was giving a signal to engineers from a translation memory that, hey, you don't need to recreate this sentence because it is very similar to what your colleague have already created. And if you use this, Mm -hmm. there'll be no translation needed because it's already in the translation memory. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They loved it. Everyone loved it. When we spoke about it, they just loved it. But hey, no one was willing to invest in this because they knew that the engineers would just not want to waste their time by seeing, oh, this is the best match. There's two or three matches. I'm going to pick this one. Mm-mm. No, it's not their job. Their job is to write strings. So they're just going to write the strings. Yeah. And same for content writers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, good point. Um, okay, so I feel like we've covered a lot already here. Um, let's bring it around full circle. We started with uh, the um, TransPerfect and Semantics um, Well, merger, actually they're calling it also. So I don't know if it's really a merger or an acquisition, maybe a bit of both. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll, and then we kind of drifted off into the wider industry, which was great. <laughs> so, um, But just to bring it kind of home, uh, as a final comment from you, maybe, what do you foresee, maybe in the more, either what do you foresee in the more imminent future for the language industry, like the impact, or what do you think we can expect from TransPerfect and Semantics, the new combo, as you said, very different companies that are now becoming one.
1: Yeah, so um, I I am very excited. Uh, both companies are very interesting, you know. Um, I have very good relationships with both of them as well. So I wish them both success. I think it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be very educational mm-hmm. for both for both parties. Um, I totally agree with you that it was a good move for TransPerfect to enter the Scandinavian market, which is very much about relationship. And, and it takes quite some time before you actually close new business there. Because you need to build strong reputation mm-hmm. and relationship. So um, if TransPerfect takes it the right way, uh, they can educate themselves also, not only for the European market, but also globally. Um, and I think for Semantics, this is going to be a very interesting move uh, in regards to the drive of the sales that, that we've all seen. Uh, we've been all seeing for many decades by yes. <laughs> chance perfect define, if fine i just say it this way exactly. so yeah guys best of luck um, <laughs> oh,
0: yeah fantastic uh that's very nice um, statement to to wrap this up so uh thank you very much joseph uh, for joining me today um i had some fun i hope you did too <laughs> and yeah indeed, indeed. <laughs> Great.
1: thank you very much for uh for pulling me in Sarah i appreciate it yeah, anytime and, uh, I hope uh, there will be some positive feedback. So uh, you let me in anytime in the future again.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I definitely will. And yeah, for everyone uh, watching and listening, um, I'll see you next week um, with another exciting guest. So see you all there. (laughs) Give
1: us some light, guys. Yeah. Right. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.